I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align podcast. And the speed of social change, in other words, the rhythms of everyday life are completely changed. Now, bees and ants have kept their life rhythms going for probably millions of years without any change at all. They are very successful societies and they are what you might call non-historical societies. They have no history because they have a completely settled life and in the same way when human beings have a completely settled agrarian life they do not record their histories. There is nothing to, re- to record. It's the same day after day. Are we, as someone has suggested, I forget his name, called as he wrote a book called Post-Historical Man, uh, are we about to enter a non-historical stage? Uh, Spengler uh, thought that we were going to, that we were going to turn into what he calls a Fellaheen culture, where... Uh, we're an enormous milling mob of uh, fundamentally people who are just getting by and eventually we are taken over by various beneficent despotisms which run us like an anthill and that this may go on for hundreds and hundreds of years or what is far more likely are we going Uh, faster and faster and faster towards the point of blow-up in which we turn into a star. Welcome back to The Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's beautiful episode, I got to have my friend, Mr. Ben Greenfield, on the show. Uh, second time around, and I'm sure you guys are already quite familiar with him. He is New York Times bestselling author of the book Beyond Training. Uh, he's voted uh, from NSCA as America's top personal trainer, top 100 most influential individuals in health and fitness. He's uh, rad. And uh, in this conversation, we got into all sorts of fun wormholes from how music and art and dance affects our creativity, um, how to get strong, like how to, how to start cultivating gorilla strength, um, got into the utilization of nootropics and psychedelics and uh, much, much more. Really, really fun conversation. So it's almost like the body has this built-in protective mechanism, or like you mentioned, you know, in the case of of cardiovascular exercise, a lot of times it's like a built-in central governor that does protect you from having like a heart attack or a muscle strain, but at the same time can hold you back from performance. But the cool thing is that that you can override that. So yeah, yeah it, it's it's kind of like that that fine line between protecting your body and being responsible with your with your heart and your joints, but at the same time achieving breakthroughs in physical performance by figuring out ways to override those protective mechanisms. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You'll find the self-care kit and a variety of other tools to improve your performance as a human being. Uh, I got a quote for us today. This is um, <clears throat> quoting the same book I did last week, Mos- Moshe Feldenkrais, Embodied Wisdom. 
And uh, a line I pulled out of there that I thought was really cool was, the outstanding difference between such healthy people and the others is that they have found by intuition, genius, and or had uh, the luck to learn from a healthy teacher that learning is a gift of life, a special kind of learning, that of knowing oneself. They learn to know how they're acting and thus are able to do what they want, the intense living of their unavowed and sometimes declared dreams. Um, really fun book, that embodied wisdom. Highly recommend any of uh, any of Feldenkrais's work. He's a highly quotatious fellow, that guy. Um, thanks for utilizing the uh, Audible free trial on the website. If you just go right now from your cell phone, wherever, go to audibletrial.com slash align. That's audibletrial.com slash align. A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And on there, you get a free month of Audible, free audiobook, absolutely no charge, cancel and keep your audiobook, any book you want, and uh, highly recommend it. I had been using Audible for the last several years, gotten me through random trips around the world, and uh, yeah, I think it's great. And one thing, thank you so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the website. That is greatly appreciated. Anytime you or your family, friends are purchasing anything off of of Amazon, just go to the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page, click on that Amazon affiliate link, and then bookmark it every time you buy some Amazon stuff for the rest of your days. Hopefully, uh, Aligned Podcast Foundation gets 7 or 8% off of that, which is super, super helpful and greatly, greatly appreciated. And I think that may suffice. Thank you so much for reviews on iTunes. They are so appreciative and they uh, help raise the rankings of the show, help spread the show. That's how people know that people are listening is uh, those reviews. So if you appreciate what we're doing, por favor, leave a little review. Tell us all about it. Hopefully five stars. All right. Here we go. Back to the show with Mr. Ben Greenfield. Align Podcast. Am I ready to do this thing? Let's do it. With people, something that I see with people oftentimes is, you know, we want to focus on one specific approach of movement, be it CrossFit, be it yoga, be it whatever it may be. And I think there's a lot of kind of low hanging fruit that we can start doing like what you're doing right now. As we're doing this, you're walking. Yeah. 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 So, so a, a typical client, like when they, when they wake up and they look at their calendar or a typical like plan that I'll write is for example, on, uh, on Monday through Saturday, when you wake up in the morning, you've got like the core foundation book by Dr. Eric Goodman. And you're spending five to 10 minutes going through each of the different moves in that book to decompress the spine and to activate the glutes, right? Preferably in the morning. And then you'd have anywhere from one to four days of the week where you're doing like hot, cold contrast, doing like a a sauna followed by a cold plunge or a hot, cold shower or something that assists with nitric oxide, blood flow, you know, irisin, adiponectin, hormone release, um, you know, circadian rhythm alignment, that type of thing. Um, typically for the folks who are desk bound, chair bound, um, in addition to just programming in movements sprinkled throughout the day. And I mean, that can be as simple as like burpees and jumping jacks for, for two minutes for every hour that you're sitting down, things like that. I'll also work in, um, Different, different decompression and traction-based exercises that go above and beyond just like the core foundation principles. For example, I really like some of the stretches from the Eldoa myofascial stretching protocol. Um, 
and I, I actually have a podcast with a guy who kind of trained me in that method. But that's really good for for like decompressing and, and hydrating, um, especially things like the shoulder joints, the hip joints, um, the spine, etc. So those are different positions where you're essentially like self-tractioning your entire body from your from your big toe to your your little pinky. Um, typically. There are, depending on, on the person, you know, their, their injury status, you know, what, what needs work on, what kind of sports they're playing, what kind of movement they're doing. Every day there's some type of deep tissue mobility work. And typically once a week there's like a really full body, like a 60 to 90 minute session where, you know, they're doing massage or foam rolling. Um, you know, I've got a whole crate full of everything from, you know, balls to sticks to rollers to, to vibrators right here next to me in the office. And I'll just hop on those throughout the day and yes. most of my clients they have they've kind of like a, a shopping list that they get in terms of of you know all manner of implements to be able to kind of dig into different areas of tissue and i like to combine that kind of stuff with um sound therapy so mm-hmm. i recommend for example like uh whole tones are really good cds to where you can plant yourself in between two speakers and blast yourself with healing frequencies that nice. vibrate at the same frequency as specific organs so you can kind of get the one-two benefit of both sound frequency and myofascial release you know when you're doing your deep tissue work and and a lot of this stuff is just stuff that that i've discovered from messing around with trying to kill as many birds with with one stone as possible right. while i'm kind of doing my own work um most of the time i'm recommending uh like a rebounding trampoline for some lymph fluid work just because the g-forces you get susceptible to uh, or you get um exposed to on a trampoline um are a little bit different than what you get when you say uh are are running or walking or moving and so i'm a fan of that for for moving lymph fluid around a little bit cool um and uh, what else? What are some other little movement things that are in there? Um, occasionally some electro stim, especially for, for folks who have different areas that they can't move or that, that, that I want to kind of use an external brain to stimulate. So I'll recommend like a Compex device or a Mark Pro for a little bit of electro stimulation, um, either to, to shut down pain and reduce spasm in an area or to, or to train muscle a little bit more passively um and those can also come in handy you know again when somebody is desk bound and they want to whatever be be contracting their quadriceps when nobody else is is able to tell that they're contracting their quadriceps um long work you know for for the car um i have most people keep like captains of crush hand grip strengthening devices and usually like a power lung in the glove box so they can do some lung work some hand grip work while they're commuting or 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 driving or just like sitting around or even like on an airplane you know they, they have it in their bag to be able to to put some work into the body that way nice. um and then uh you know, th- those are those are some of the biggies i mean there there's a few other little things that'll that'll have in there as far as movement goes um probably two others i'd throw at you one would be um if people can afford it i'm a big fan of like a uh compression garments that actually uh, help to pump blood flow like uh normatex for example like gradated compression gear that you can sit in when you are sitting you know working or, or watching something to where you can be pumping blood from the ankles up to the hips and, and back down um and then uh the other thing that i like is they make these like uh there's one called a theragun there's another one called a myobody and these are like massage devices that you hold that you can hold against different areas of the body everything from like the uh you know like cranial sacral areas down to the hips and they actually do a lot of vibrating which tends to cause some cool releases of things like neurotransmitters and endorphins and and it's also you know a form of, of tissue therapy 
um, where you have like kind of a, a machine doing the work for you. There, there's some cool vibrating foam rollers out there too, made by a company called Viper. I've got a, a few of those as well, but yeah, vibration is another thing I'll throw in there. Cool, man. Yeah. And then I think there's a lot of other kind of wormholes that we can get into as far as thinking like movement beyond just the standard, like, you know, I'm exercising, moving around my body, but also movement as far as expansion and contraction of your eyes is a product of looking into the distance or looking close or movement of music, you know, and the way that we're kind of moved by music. And one of the things I noticed at your place was playing music for your for your son's at night is that something that you Mm -hmm. do every night is that like is that like a practice of sorts for you do you think of it that way at all you know i I don't like to think of music as a practice just because i uh i I find that it kind of seems to like suck some of the uh some of the enjoyment out of just like playing the music right but uh yeah for neuroplasticity and and neurogenesis and you know you see a lot of things with music as far as like you know brain derived neurotrophic factor release and you know improvements in vagal nerve tone there's there's lots of things that occur biologically in response to not just listening to music but also playing music and experiencing music with others and so yeah um you know i I personally do the do the uke and guitar and try and play my my kids something every night um and again you know just the simple vibration and sound frequency of the strings you know Mm -hmm. especially if you if you have your musical instruments tuned properly I, i interviewed a guy named michael tyrell on my podcast and we talked about how the actual hertz frequency tuning can uh, affect the body either positively or negatively and a lot of our you know like our uh, our a chord for example these days tends to be tuned to about 440 hertz when if you just adjust that slightly to 444 hertz which you can easily do with like a digital tuner it actually causes the the vibration of both that chord or that that note as well as all the other notes on say a guitar or a piano to be in a little bit better resonant frequency with the human body and mm. so yeah assuming you have your, your musical instruments tuned properly um you know music can be very healing too music can also be damaging i mean there there is some evidence you know when you when you look at the the interesting studies where they like play heavy metal next to a plant and play classical music next to a plant and see the plant flourish with the latter you know it is kind of interesting to see how how organisms can respond to different types of music and the different structures of music in different ways. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of music as, as kind of like a, both a healing tool as well as a, as a tool that can be used to, to, you know, grow the brain. Yeah. I think that um, it's easy in this space to kind of get caught up in analyzing everything and thinking of everything as a practice and thinking, you know, and, and kind of getting lost in the, in the experience of it. One of the things I was looking into recently was just the effect on the brain of uh, cursive handwriting, you know, or I think you can, you can write like normal print as well, just kind of write a little bit wacky and, you know, free flow and just how that affects, again, like neuroplasticity, of the brain and thought pattern. You're able to actually produce kind of more easily produce more, more information in a way. And right. is that something that you're conscious of in your own, in your own thing? You know, I do writing every morning. Um, I, when I wake up in the morning, what I do is I answer three questions. So I, so I read in the mornings. Typically for me, it's like a devotional or a journal. And when I'm reading, um, I'm very mindful of what I'm reading because the first question that I'll write down 
when I start to journal after I read and I don't want to give anybody the impression I'm sitting in bed for like an hour every morning with my spectacles on like <laughs> and a giant calligraphy pen <laughs> for me it's like you know I, I actually I test my heart rate variability in the morning which is a great way to kind of like check in on the robustness of your nervous system and that's a five minute measurement so I'm gonna if I'm gonna be laying there anyways you know I, I read for you know five sometimes ten minutes and then I journal for another five minutes or so and you know so I'm out of bed by 15 minutes after I've woken up but I at the same, I'm kind of like doing self-quantification and and writing with a pen at the same time. You know, I read a physical book rather than flipping on the phone because once you hold your phone, there's an automatically almost like a stress response. You know, if you right. turn it on, you go into some website to do some reading. So, you know, I, I read paper. Um, same thing as when I go to bed at night. You know, like it's always paper books, not not the Kindle, not the computer, not the phone. Um, but I do writing and the very first question that I answer in my writing is what truth did I discover in this morning's reading, right? Because then I read with intention when I know that I'm going to be writing something versus me just like squinting through the through the my morning eye boogers and and, uh, you know, just kind of like scanning over whatever I happen to be reading that morning. So you read with intention. And then I, I the second question I answer is, what am I grateful for today? You know, and, and there's some more writing there. And, yeah, that, that physical act of putting the pen to paper, something kind of interesting does happen from a neurological standpoint where, um, there, yeah, there's a, there's this really cool sense of satisfaction you don't get when you're typing. It's almost like this. I don't know if it's the proprioception or the feel of the pen against the paper or, or, you know, what you were alluding to, like the calligraphy and maybe something happening from a neurological level there. But it is interesting. I, I my handwriting's horrible. It's chicken scratch. It's nowhere near calligraphy. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a, a kind of a weird, crude form of art, I suppose. Yeah. And then the last question I ask is who, who can I help or who can I serve that day? Right. So I don't really like those journals that are just like, what's my daily affirmation? How great am I? You know, what am I going to accomplish today? Me, 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 I, I, I. Uh, but I, I kind of like that concept of thinking of like one person who you could help that day, one person you could go out of your way to serve that day. And just starting off the day with not only being grateful for something, but discovering a truth and then also having somebody on your mind who you could go out of your way to help that day. For me, that that really sets up a, a good standard for the day. So that's how I like to start. But, yeah, it's all it's you know, as, as you touched on it, it's it's pen to paper. And, yeah, there is something kind of cool about putting pen to paper. Yeah. Yeah. How I think oftentimes that people when they do start kind of, you know, having some type of continual practice like that of affirmations where it may be, it's like maybe they don't notice, which I'm mean, noticing a difference immediately with it. But I think it's something one of those things where as you do it with more time, it becomes more of like an adaptation in your, you know, in your brain and your body and your mind. Was there some did you notice that at all? Like with time, it became more powerful. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I would describe it as more powerful. Like what I find is, is writing is like a muscle, right? So if I skip my journaling for a few days, it's almost like harder to, to think of things I'm grateful for, think of the p people I can help mm. or like, you know, I, I write in my fiction book, typically, uh, Friday through Sunday or Friday through Monday, depending on how busy Monday is. And Friday is always kind of sort of hard to like start back into my fiction writing. And then by Sunday, it's like a muscle. And it's just like I open up my computer on Sunday to write and, and stuff just like flows out of me. So it's it's really interesting how you, you, you do seem to once you once you open those pathways to 
writing and, and making that transition from your brain to the paper, your brain to the computer screen, something does seem to happen in terms of, of things flowing more easily. Uh, you know, the same with music. It's why I think it's better to practice music for 15 minutes a day in the, you know, in the evenings rather than like two hours on the weekends, just because it seems that that muscle stays a little bit a little bit more toned when you're doing it that way at least the, that's the way it seems to, to act for me right. i can't say that i can speak very intelligently to what's occurring on, on a physiologic or a scientific level when it comes to that that frequency but but for both writing and music it does seem to help quite a bit yeah yeah i've i've heard things in relation to like dance for example starting to kind of reorganize the tissue around your cerebral cortex around your hippocampus and also kind of blending that proprioception with our uh like our muscle memory with our kind of with our thought processes and kind of like smoothing out those signals in our in our in our brains which right. that's just stuff that i read you know but i feel it too <laughs> you know? right you know is that do you do you ever kind of get into any of that or, or have you noticed that with dance for you might translate more to like um you know training in your yard or something like that or do you do you tinker with dancing at all or like what's any kind of like expressive creative type movement i think obstacle racing would be that but yeah, no, I, th I think obstacle racing is more like chronic repetitive motion, frankly, <laughs> with, a, with, a, with, a, with a little bit of, you know, monkeying around thrown in here and there when you're climbing over a wall or swinging from rope to rope. But there really isn't much of a f I mean, there's a little bit of a finesse component, I suppose. But but you're just like balls to the wall, you know, smoke coming out your ears most of the time in, in a race <laughs> like that. So so for me, more of I, I would say more of the. The proprioceptive awareness would come from. Uh, so I, I play tennis a couple of times a week. Mm. Um, my wife and I take a take a tennis lesson together every Wednesday, and then I try and hop into men's league. And, and so um, that form of mental chess, because I've done sparring as well, and I kind of get a similar feel from both sparring and tennis as those being, you know, kind of similar as far as thinking ahead, identifying your your patterns, anticipating the movement of someone else or the movement of a ball and responding accordingly. Like for me, that's where I tap into a little bit of that. Um, I've also started up recently gymnastics. So nice. I've got a, I, I just published an article about my gymnastics routine over at Ben Greenfield Fitness. And um for me, I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more of that with gymnastics, like like yeah. practicing like really slow, smooth, controlled muscle ups or L sits, and it's still not quite as complex as dance because I used to do ballroom dancing, and nice. you know sometimes there you, you could you could feel the smoke coming out of your ears as you're trying to to learn the steps, and you know the yeah. very very small amount of of um, you know break dancing videos I've done with my kids, and uh, what's what's the Brazilian one? Is it Caporetta? Caporetta. Um, yeah, Caporetta. I've, I've done a little bit of that, just just in, in like random workshops at fitness events and stuff like that. And honestly, I would say that 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 for me is is like the extreme of of proprioceptive awareness is, is dance. But you know, gymnastics, tennis, sparring, things like that. I think I've I've experienced a little bit of that as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You see, you know, in relation to like reorganizing the connective tissue in your body as a product of movement. You know, when we're we have stagnated stagnated movement in our in our lives, our connective tissue ends up becoming kind of disorganized. Start looking looking more like scar tissue almost. And it's a similar concept in the brain. You know, and so it's like I think that my crazy wacky illusion that I live in is that the body and the brain and the mind and all that is just one integrated unit. You know, and mm -hmm. so sometimes I think those practices of just like 
kind of letting go of all of the information, all the stuff, and just dropping into kind of what your inner message is kind of telling you, the direction to go, you know, is that, do you get out of, of ballroom dancing or gymnastic, like L-sits and just kind of like ever just move funky, weird? Do you ever, ever kind of dig into that at all? I mean, like if you if you count like like raves and beach dancing and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that, like that. Yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, and and we even, I mean, as silly as it sounds, like sometimes we'll just put on the Disney Channel in our house in the living room and just like play Disney songs really loud, and the kids and me and Jessa will dance around the table. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so you know, last uh, actually, I guess it wasn't last week. It was three weeks ago. Now I was down in Costa Rica. Right. And we, we spent like almost three hours just dancing around a fire, right? Randomly. And a few of us had drums and, you know, just, just moving and shaking and dancing. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm totally into stuff like that. You know, it's probably like maybe a maximum once a week that I get out and just like move randomly like that. And having kids certainly helps because it's totally acceptable to do that when you, when you have children because they're doing right, it anyways. Right. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, I do dig stuff like that and certainly do try and do some of that free flowing stuff every now and again too. Yeah. And then with that, I think that leads to, I feel like there's a correlation between having more creativity and then maybe like, you know, I, I, do you think there's any impact on you? You write fiction as well, which is probably something that maybe a lot of people don't, don't know, or maybe they do. I don't know. But, um, yeah, what's that? Like, like do you see any connection there? Or like stimulating creativity for your fiction writing? I've never really, that's, that's an interesting thought. I've never tried that. I've never tried to stimulate creativity with free flowing, like dance movements and stuff. I, I should try that though. You've, you've planted that seed, Aaron. Um, I may have to, to do the Disney dancing and then write fiction. My only problem is like a lot of times I'm writing fiction in the morning when it's quiet at like, you know, 5.30 a.m. So I gotta, I'll have to break out the Disney music at the butt crack of dawn, but yeah, I can try that. I mean, I've experimented with other, with other things that, that purportedly enhance creativity and haven't found anything to work that, that well, other than what I described earlier, just like frequency of writing. But, you know, for example, you know, I've used like, like brain.fm or there's another app called Sleepstream. you know, that'll play binaural beats or play, um, different sound frequencies that, that supposedly enhance creativity. I've messed around with neurofeedback to increase alpha brainwave production and especially decrease fast beta, which tends to really fly in the face of creativity. And, and I found that to be pretty helpful as well for, for a variety of things like decreased distractibility and enhanced sleep onset and a whole host of other kind of cool factors. I worked with a, a company called um, the Peak Brain Institute mm-hmm. in L.A. where they trained me how to use their neurofeedback equipment and sent me back with a laptop and all the electrodes and the electrode gel that you slap on your forehead and everything and, and kind of learned how to do the whole like fly a spaceship with your mind type of protocol. Yeah. And that that seems to, to have a to have a pretty good effect on a variety of factors. Um, music does seem to help, frankly. I, I think that music and writing seem to go hand. Like when my music practice is really good, it seems like my my writing practice seems to seems to be really good as well. Right. Um, but yeah, and I mean, and of course, there's just chemical stimulations as well. You know, like a lot of times, um, if I'm doing music at night or or writing at night, I'll use something like a, like a THC or a CBD or yeah. or um, you know another interesting way to enhance. Uh, Euphoria or creativity, I found lately, is, is kratom, which is another kind of interesting compound for uh, for. I, I originally kind of just used it because I injured my back and I wanted a way to kind of decrease some of the pain so I could fall asleep a little bit faster with an injured back, and then realized like it induces euphoria and creativity and all sorts of other cool things too. So yeah. that that's a that's a kind of cool one from a chemical standpoint, but 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try the free flo- the, the free flowing dance before I write and let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, check it out. The last thing that I'll mention before I, I, I'm beating the horse of movement st- translates to creativity and brain function is there was a study you probably already heard of it in relation to uh, older senior citizens and dementia dancing being like says something like 75 percent more effective than crossword puzzles and reading. You know, so kind of letting go of that. Okay, I'm sitting mm-hmm. and I'm taking information and just saying fuck it. You know, I'm now I'm working into my scapula. Now I'm working into my hip. Now you know, and it just it does something, man. It's a really it's a big curious subject. You know. Yeah, I I hadn't seen that study. I'm sure part of it has to do with with you know we we do know there there's like a localized release of BDNF, especially with with cardiovascular aerobic movement, where that brain derived neurotrophic factor seems to spread throughout the rest of the body, including the brain. Even more than when you do like resistance exercise, like strength training, where it seems to stand more like a localized muscle level. But, you know, if if you combine movement with complexity like that, I could totally see something like that happening where, where you're getting even more of the BDNF than you get with, say, like brain aerobics versus, you know, really what dancing is, which is kind of like full body plus brain aerobics. Right. Yeah. You last time I was at your place, you were mentioning coming out with some type of like five minute journal esque type thing. Is that is that still something that's happening? Yeah, it is. I, I actually am, I'm working with the five minute journal guys on on a version of a journal very similar to what I described earlier. Yeah. And um, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. We're, we're probably going to launch a Kickstarter in, I think, uh, April is what we're targeting to, to start up a Kickstarter for that that journal, like like my own my own twisted version of the five minute journal. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. And is that, can you break into a little bit like for, you know, people like what, what that'll look like, how they, maybe they could start early. <laughs> yeah. So, um, because I like, like my primary inspiration in the mornings when I'm doing my journaling is I'll use either the Bible or this devotional called daily bread. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's all inspired by, by a Christian gratitude practice. And so the, the, the URL I have right now is at christiangratitude.com and the working title uh, for, for the actual journal is the Christian gratitude journal where it, where it's based around like this awareness of others and awareness of a higher power and then awareness of gratitude. And it kind of weaves all three of those in. And then uh, on each page is like an inspirational verse from scripture that, that I have kind of embedded on each page of the journal. So if you didn't even have time to, to read anything else, you could at least read that one thing at the top of the page and then answer all the questions and just kind of walks you through, you know, day by day. Um, you just you know, get down and do it just like any journal. But yeah, it's christiangratitude.com is where, you know, we kind of have at least a landing page with the, with the little email section where you can, you can get, uh, get alerted once we launch the, the campaign. Cool. Sweet. I'm actually heading down to peak brain after this to do some neurofeedback stuff and had Andrew on the podcast oh, cool. and such and talk about, uh, nootropics. And one of the nootropics that we got into, I don't know if we got into it actually, we got into it at some point, whether it was recorded or not, I don't know, but was, uh, LSD. And I've heard, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I've heard you have some pretty interesting stories in relation to just how that's affected your thought process. I, I kind of am curious how your experience in kind of, you know, thinking on on religion, and at the same time under the influence of something like LSD, has that been kind of, has that merge? Have you kind of gone down that rabbit hole while using that? 
I've found microdosing with LSD to be very effective for creativity and as yep. a mild nootropic, but I haven't found there to be much of like uh, I guess what what uh, I've I've heard termed before a neurotheological component <laughs> um, with the use of LSD. I'm guessing because and and this might sound kind of woo, but I'm guessing because it's like a man-made fabricated molecule mm. versus something that we would find in a more natural setting such as psilocybin. And I have found psilocybin to result in some very intense spiritual experiences, some very intense discussions with God, some really cool breakthroughs in terms of realizations of, of what I should be doing with life, especially when I combine it with things like prayer and journaling. And so I've, I've used microdosing with psilocybin as a nootropic hmm. in the same way that I've used microdosing with LSD as a nootropic, just, just for enhancing creativity and uh and, and productiveness during the day. I mean, the same ways you would use like a uh, like a racetam or an alpha GPC or any of these other little darlings of the nootropic community. Um, but but psilocybin in, in higher dosages for nature experiences and for theological or spiritual experiences. And, and yes, I've even taken it um, before church, like and gone to church on right. psilocybin. And um, the only thing that you're missing out on there. Um, is you have a very intense experience, but the others around you don't share it. And what they've found in some of these studies on psilocybin, theological or spiritual experiences, is an entire group of people who are on a plant-based medicine, they tend to have alignment of their EEG waves mm. and also their, their heart rhythms, right? Their, their heart rate variability tends to align. And so you get this really weird state of, not weird state, but really... Um, really beneficial state yeah. of group flow, right? When you have a whole group of people on plant-based medicine and doing something like worshiping or praying or or singing or chanting or anything like that all at the same time, there's something really interesting that occurs. So, um, but, but as far as psilocybin goes, yeah, I found that to be a little bit more meaningful and useful than LSD when it comes to like deep religious or spiritual experiences. Yeah, my sense with that is, you know, kind of if you look at like a lot of animals or tribes, their capacity for things like telepathy seems to be significantly higher than like a modern humans. You know, and my feeling is that as we kind of go in, we kind of wear the helmet of modernity where it's like, you know, get the job done, pay the bills, get the cell phone, did that that it kind of it kind of dulls us from experiencing some of the more subtle aspects of ourselves or of the world or of each other, you know, I think that psychedelics kind of like pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> it like forces it on, on you. <laughs> and you start to connect with each other, kind of like you're saying. You, you share that? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times what happens is you engage in a lot stronger lateral thinking patterns, problem solving and creativity patterns. And then you also tend to shut down. Uh, the part of the, the, the prefrontal cortex responsible for self-judging. Mm. And so you tend to be less judgmental of your own choices and more open-minded as well, both to, both to others as well as to, to messages from, uh, from nature or messages from more of kind of like the spiritual dimension. And so it's really interesting though, like you could do the same thing with the motor cortex, right? You can, you can actually stimulate the motor cortex and make it more responsive to acquisition of motor skills um, 
or uh, even uh, increased exertion or in increased effort or increased performance at a lower rating of perceived exertion. And there's like there's a device that you see advertised all over the place in the past month called the Halo. Uh, made by a company called Neurosport, and it's it's literally a trans-direct cranial stimulation device for the motor cortex that if you wear prior to a music practice session or prior to a workout actually stimulates the motor cortex to be more responsive to, to motor skills. So yeah, you could use something like psilocybin or plant-based medicine for the prefrontal cortex. You could use something like TDCS for the motor cortex. Uh, but yeah, there's all sorts of, of cool ways that you can play with the brain in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the central governor theory and Tim Noakes, you know, where, where you we're kind of limited by our belief system with ourselves, you know, and I think the same thing happens with our endurance capacity or the same thing happens with our strength or our gymnastic ability. Like most people can do a backflip. <laughs> you know, it's just like, nope, no way. Not me. Like, I'm not going to break my neck, you know, but like if you just did it, you would do it. <laughs> Right. And like the, the, the roughest, most most vulgar approximation for that would be like when you're drunk and you do stupid things. Right. right? You, you've actually shut down a lot of that self-judgmental. Unfortunately, you've also shut down the motor cortex to where you're willing to do something uh, that that's really, really complex when you're in a state where you can barely even like, you know, move all four limbs in coordination. <laughs> Uh, whereas, you know, stimulating the, the motor cortex with TDCS, you know, prior to something like that, or even, you know, microdosing with, with LSD or psilocybin would be a more appropriate scenario, you know, yeah. versus getting sloshed. Right. But yeah, it really is interesting. And we, we can, uh, we can play with our brains like that. Yeah. A wacky thing I, I've kind of made a connection with, which could be totally ridiculous, but I've heard that, uh, with the usage of LSD or psilocybin, um, it actually ends up increasing, uh, cell membrane flexibility and neuroplasticity neuroplasticity and all these these like deep biological components what I feel that on a grander more global scale is I've felt myself be able to go into various different ranges of motion that I've never been able to experience completely sober mm. you know and this similar mm. thing with strength like going up into a one-armed handstand when I'm high on LSD totally possible <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of interesting because i mean if you look at, at for example like the golgi tendon organ activation of something like a like a chimp right that, do, that doesn't have a, a a significantly greater amount of muscle mass compared to a human they just have uh lower inhibitions right yeah. like like uh a, a decreased onset of, for example, that reflex responsible for protecting a muscle. So, so it's like, you know, it's, it's that catch 22 to where if you can use something like a, a chemical or some other form of stimulation to decrease the responsiveness of the Golgi tendon organ, which would normally contract before a muscle has reached full capacity, you protect a muscle, but at the same time you limit yourself from doing something like a one arm headstand. So it's almost like the body has this built in protective mechanism or like mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, in the case of, of cardiovascular exercise, a lot of times it's like a built-in central governor that does protect you from having like a heart attack or a muscle strain, but at the same time can hold you back from performance. But the cool thing is that, that you can override that. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's kind of like that, that fine line between protecting your body and being responsible with your, with your heart and your joints, but at the same time achieving breakthroughs in physical performance by 
figuring out ways to override those protective mechanisms. Yeah, you can see that with someone, if you get like hit by lightning, you might end up contracting so hard that you pull the tendons and the ligaments straight out because you end up essentially hacking all those mechanoreceptors and the Golgi tendons and such that you're talking about. You know, whereas for right, a second, you're like, <laughs> power like, uh, achieved. <laughs> You've been to like uh, like paleo effects where they have like those ARP wave machines that cause the muscle to go into an intense state of contraction. You know, it's like using an external brain to get your muscles to contract harder than they would normally on their own. And, and some of that stuff you do have to be careful with because, you know, if, if the electrodes are placed improperly or you stimulate a muscle beyond the capacity, you know, beyond what your brain would normally allow you to do. Yeah, you can certainly hurt yourself. So uh, so be careful, kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go soon. Uh, we probably got to go right now, actually. Um, how do people find you? I, I'd love to keep on keep on going up, but what's, how do people find all your stuff? And you got like your information and videos and your approach to life and family, everything like, you know, five stars. How do, <laughs> how do people learn more? Uh, I mean, I guess just like Google is cool. I mean, if you just Google right. Ben Greenfield, you'll find most of my stuff, like my books and websites and stuff. Or you could go to um, bengreenfieldfitness.com. It's a good spot. And then I've got a... Uh, I've got a book that's like, it's good bedtime reading, right? It's like 500 pages jam-packed, <laughs> just some of the deep science of biohacking and digestion and, and brain and performance, fat loss, stuff like that. And that's called Beyond Training. It's at um, beyondtrainingbook.com. So bengreenfieldfitness.com or beyondtrainingbook.com are a couple helpful helpful uh, websites. Cool. And the thing I would say about the book is it's nice. It's kind of like a Tim Ferriss type book in the sense that you can open up any page and get something valuable out of it. It's not like you need to start and be like, 500 pages are shit. And you can yeah. open up page 410. You'll get some good stuff out of it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Like he describes as is, is a choose your own adventure book. Yeah, I like that. Cool. All right. Sweet, man. Well, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate cool. you and uh, what you're doing and all that stuff. And thanks for the time. Appreciate it, man. Sweet. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no worries. Align Podcast. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a uh, couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, you can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link. Every time you do it, we get something like 7% of your purchase and it helps support this show. It is awesome. So great. As well, something you could do that is ultra helpful. If you or anybody that you know um, has ears and likes books, uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And then from there, that is uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book. And uh, again, all free, no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through. I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really really amazing website uh, amazing service couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um, 
Thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And thanks just in general for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for, for spreading the word. All right. I can't express enough how much I appreciate all that. If you guys ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com. And I would love to talk. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.